Welcome to Nostrum, the debate soap opera, where deontology is more than just an idea, it's a rebuttal by Jules O'Shaughnessy and the Nostrumite. Before we get going, we do like to remind you that just as Jules and the Nostromite began writing these episodes at the beginning, you should begin listening at the beginning. All of our previous episodes are available at www.jimmenick.com. I am not going to go into a whole song and dance. I will simply say that there was a short period when I thought that I would not be continuing recording nostrums and that I would simply catch up all the PDFs and post them online and have done with it. For reasons not worth going into, I've changed my mind. For those of you who are listening in real time, that means we are back and we should, for a little while, have regular episodes, unless a hiatus comes up for some reason or another. I would point out that when these episodes were originally written by Jules and the Nostromite, they took vacations all the time. Uh, The fact that I have nothing to do with this and I'm simply a facilitator ought to allow me to take the odd vacation as well. Anyhow, vacation is over. And I would point out that these sort of vacations are a good reason for some of you to listen in unreal time. Unreal time may be the most desirable time to settle back and listen to Nostrum. Since it's been a while, for you real-time people, I may occasionally provide some editorial background just to remind you where we are. And I will remind you that we had a brief meeting in a recent episode with a film director who was looking for a fresh face for a film that he was putting together. I'll also simply remind you that we had a lot of issues about whether they would be able to do LD at Vale of Ignorance High School under Lisa Tort, who has taken over for Seth B. Obamash. Her star pupil, shall we say, uh, Bill O'Connor, whose name is now Invoice O'Connor, thanks to its French translation, has been a strong supporter, whereas Tara Petskin has maintained a policy stance to this point and a support Seth stance at the same time. I'll also remind you that we did pretty much unravel the story of David and William. Uh, David and William was the thread where uh, William had come out and admitted that he was gay, and David, for some reason, was having all kinds of issues about this. So, as I said, I wanted to catch you up a little on the story if you have been a real-time listener, but have a bad memory. And if, as I say, you're listening in unreal time, which is the best way to do it, um, then you know all this already. So, let's get at it. Episode 62, a three-parter. Part 1, Hooray for Hollywood. Mr. Low Pat sits in his wheelchair behind the desk in his office. Tonight is the beginning of the Vaganza Round Robin. Oh, by the way, I forgot that. We're in the middle of the round robin. 
at the original Beganza tournament at Manhattan Lodestone. Yeah, let's get back up to date on that, too. And yeah, Mr. Lopat's mien, despite the impending onset of the most difficult days of his year, is calm and aloof, as distinguishes a true debate god. We appreciate your meeting with us, the woman says to him. She is a large, fiftyish woman, hiding the roundness of her bulk beneath a bright, formless moo-moo dress. Her companion, at about thirty, looks like an overage hippie with long hair and a backwards baseball cap. My pleasure, Mr. Lopat says. He fingers her business card. Clavdia Chauchet, it says, casting director. The woman is standing, the man is sitting, not appearing to pay much attention to the proceedings. Mr. Lopat tries unsuccessfully to make eye contact with him. It's like wrestling with a particularly recalcitrant video game. As I said on the phone, Claudia says, this is our director, Hans Castorp. Mr. Lopat nods. You've heard of him, of course. Mr. Lopat shakes his head. He has not seen a motion picture in seventeen years. Clavdia leans over the desk. Very successful, she whispers confidentially, but not so confidentially that Castorp cannot overhear her. Very important. Mr. Lopat nods again. So I'll get down to business, she says, raising her voice to its normal level. Good, Mr. Lopat says. I've got a lot of things to do today. I'm running a debate tournament this weekend, you know. I do know, she says, and that's why we're here. You wish to film my tournament? Mr. Lopat asks, with what sounds like a measure of optimistic hope. Uh, not quite, she responds. Oh. You see, we're looking for a teenager. Mr. Lopat winces. Take my advice. Look for adults. They're much easier to handle, and their conversation is so much more satisfying. No, no, what I mean is we're looking for a teenager to cast in our next picture. Ah, yes, I begin to see. We want someone who can play fifteen, slightly built, and more to the point, genuine. Not an actor, but a real person. Actors are not real persons. Hans Castorp laughs, the first sign of life he has shown since entering the office. Actors are real persons, he says in his German accent. What a thought! Well, I can assure you that my debaters are real persons. Too real, for the most part. But they're not actors. You might do better to go next week to the Blessed Moly Tournament. That's entirely devoted to speech. A lot of them are natural actors, and a lot of their events are almost pure theater. Hans Castorp stands up. You do not understand, he says forcefully. That is exactly what we don't want. I'm up to my eyeballs in teenaged actors. They are... He searches for the correct word. Execrable. He looks pleased at having found it. Yes, execrable. 
execrable actors, execrable human beings. What I want is genuine, real. Do you understand? Mr. Lopat raises both his hands, palms upward. I understand completely, he says. So what exactly do you want me to do? We want you to allow us entree into your tournament this weekend, Claudia says. Free reign, so to speak. We promise not to get in the way, and if we see any likely candidates for the part, that will give us an opportunity to ask them to audition. Mr. Lopat considers. He is not sure if he wishes to have a band of Hollywood people roaming the halls during his tournament. And in exchange, Hans Castorp says, whether we find someone here or not, we will give you a credit in the film. A credit in the film. Mr. Lopat's eyes light up. Even after 17 years of cinematic abstinence, he can appreciate the value of his name in lights, however fleeting. We start at 2 o'clock on Friday, he says. But I don't recommend that you come till around 5 or so, or all day Saturday. Yes, Saturday would definitely be your best bet. Saturday it is, Claudia says, extending her hand. Mr. Lopat takes it in his. Saturday. The War Between Debates They are one angry-looking group. Policy debaters. Lisa Tort holds her ground. I'm not asking you to sell your parents to the Nazis, she says. I'm simply suggesting that some of you might consider Lincoln Douglas as an alternative to policy. That's not debate, one of them says. They've got no facts, another chimes in. They just say whatever they want with no evidential burden of proof. And they don't understand logic. They don't understand rhetorical techniques. There's no benefit of teamwork. This last remark seems to be the capper, and everyone starts talking at once. Lisa Tort exchanges a glance with Invoice O'Connor. He shrugs. All right, she says loudly, trying to get the team back under control. Enough. One at a time, and I'm the one. They sputter for another moment, then quiet down. I was only asking you to watch around. It wouldn't kill you. But if you don't want to, don't. Are you going to be able to work with us on policy if you're an LDR? Someone asks. A case is a case, isn't it? That I can help you with right away. The rest I can figure out. The blank expressions that greet this statement are eloquent in their disbelief. Aren't we going to do any more running? Someone asks. I fail to see how running has anything to do with debating. Seth says it builds up to the stamina, plus we practice our speaking at the same time. It works. Seth did a lot of work speaking with his speaking fast in me, which is, like, really important. And Seth always let our research in. And Seth is no longer with you, Lisa Tort says pointedly. The room is silent. All right, end of meeting. Tomorrow we'll start getting down to business without the running. She turns to Invoice O'Connor. We still on for tonight? He nods. Yep. Excellent. I'll pick you up at six. She walks out of the room. What the hell was that all about, someone asked. Pick you up at six? I'm going down to watch the LD round robin at the Veganza with her, Invoice explains, trying to appear nonchalant about it. You're doing LD? I'm just going to check it out. It's not like I have a policy partner anymore or anything. 
He's selling out, Tara Petskin says dramatically. Tara was not at the meeting, and her appearance in the doorway is a surprise to everyone. I'm not selling out. I'm just being realistic. Call it what you will. That woman wants to make Eldears out of all of you, and he's leading the way. She points to her former partner. Tara, invoice says, you are getting crazy on this, positively crazy. She's right, one of the kids says. You are selling out. You're like the A debater on the team, and if you go, that's the beginning of the end. Don't blame me, invoice says angrily. I'm not the one who quit the team. She is. He points back at Tara. I was happy to do policy with her. We've been doing it for three years already, but she quit, not me. He grabs up his backpack. I'm out of here, he says. And he stalks up to the front of the room where Tara is blocking the doorway. He waits for her to move aside. After a minute, she gives way. And then he is gone. Totally moly. So what's up? Kumar asks. Kumar and David Brillig are walking together to the pizzeria next door to Old Yeller. Old Yeller, as you remember, is the nickname for Night and Day School. As always, Kumar is wearing his battered green fedora. David's blonde hair is uncovered. David only wears hats during blizzards, siroccos, and volcanic eruptions. I wanted to talk to you about the Blessed Moly, David says. What about it? You're going to do your H.I. piece, right? Show enough. Are you going to double enter? Does Jetmall give us any choice? Of course I'm going to double enter. I've got a prose poetry piece to do. Do you like doing prose poetry? Eh, it's okay, Kumar says. And then he adds in a John Wayne accent, A speech he's got to do what a speech he's got to do. David opens the door to the restaurant, and he and Kumar enter. It is after school, and the place is fairly deserted. An hour ago, this place was packed to the gills, but after hours, most people head home, and that's the end of it until the normal dinner crowd shows up. The two speeches order a slice each and a couple of snapples. They take their food to a booth. That's the thing I wanted to talk to you about, David says, is maybe, he hesitates, then he blurts it out, I thought maybe you might want to do a duo piece with me. Kumar's jaw drops. You want to do a duo with me? Why not? You're a great actor. You do a great H.I. But you and William, I mean, you two go way back. I know you guys are having some problems, but uh, I don't know. You're saying you don't want to get dragged into it? Kumar takes a bite of his pizza. I guess that is what I'm saying. There's nothing to get dragged into, David assures him. William and I are through. Kaput. But William is like your best friend. Was my best friend. There's a difference. Kumar shakes his head. Is this all because he's gay? I really don't want to talk about that. It's okay that he's gay, you know. He's not the only gay person in the world. It's not okay, David says forcefully. All right, all right. David closes his eyes for a second. When he opens them, he's regained his composure. This is not about William, and this is not about William being gay. It is about you and me doing a duo piece at the Blessed Moly. If it works out, we could keep doing it. What do you say? What piece do you want to do? Kumar asks. I don't know. You have any ideas? Something serious. I've already got an H.I., so do you. Something serious would be more interesting. We can talk to Mr. Jumpmall. I'm sure he can recommend something. Okay, let's do it. Kumar finishes his pizza. 
Uh-oh, I just thought of something. What? I'm not going to be here this weekend. I'm taking the college sea tour. David laughs. I'm not going to be here either, but I'm taking the megalith tour. What tour is that? NYU, SU, and BU. More students than there are pebbles on the beaches, as Mr. Bunbury says. You want a big school? Definitely. How about you? Nah, beats me. I haven't got a clue. I think I'm driving Bunbury crazy. He's already crazy. <laughs> you can say that again. They continue talking breezily about Lav Bunbury, the guidance counselor, and about colleges in general. It could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Will Hans Castorp decide to cast Mr. Lopat in his movie? Will Lisa Tort be able to teach policy? Will Kumar and David put together a decent duo piece? Is the reason behind our hiatus the writer's strike? Debate season may be reaching its end-of-season apotheosis, but that's no reason to think that the answers will be in our next episode, Follicles, Hair of the Dog, or Frozen Ziegfeld Girls.